I'm actually just going to just continue uh, in the spirit of prayer. Will you continue to join me uh, as we pray? Lord, it's just so good um, just to be in your presence. Um, we, could, we could do all sorts of things as we gather here together as your body, as your church. Um, but nothing compares to just knowing you and feeling your presence. Nothing compares to being touched by your spirit for knowing that you love us so much. Lord, there are so many distractions and so many things that occupy our minds even as we come together and worship. And those are the things of life. And Lord, we know that you know those things so intimately because you know our lives so intimately. And sometimes we focus on the thing that is happening in our life and you focus on how that thing is going to change us and grow us. And so, Lord, as we think about all that's going on in our lives, we know and we trust that you have a bigger plan and a bigger purpose and that you use all things to bring those things to pass. So, Lord, as we, we gather now around your word and as we, as we share with one another in fellowship, Lord, may we have fellowship with you. And may your presence just really flow in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we have, as Dan mentioned, been in the, um, in the middle of a series called Doing Life Together. And I think this phrase really encapsulates the sense that life does have all sorts of ups and downs. Life does have all sorts of uh, occasions and milestones. Uh, it has events. It has experiences. And we can go through life and experience it uh, on our own. Or we can live life as God has actually designed us to live. And that is in community. And that is in connection with one another and that we actually share each other's life experiences together. And we go through life together and we celebrate with one another and we grieve with one another. We, um, we counsel one another and we, uh, we advise one another. We learn from one another. We do life together. Um, we're not designed to be living in this world alone. We're not designed to be getting through all that life throws at us alone. And so doing life together really sums up the sense that we are together. And, and I, my hope and my prayer is that um, through this series, you are starting to even get a better sense of the person next to you uh, as you have a cup of coffee or, or whatever afterwards that that there are, there's a sense that you're not alone, that you're doing life together. So we discovered that it's the biblical model, uh, that the early church that, that I'm basing this series on, Acts 2, 
met in the temple courts. They met in open air, large areas for, for worship. But they also met in their homes. They met in life groups, home groups, small groups. Uh, we are designed for community. Um, and that's what church is actually all about. We don't... Church is not a place that we come to. Church is a spiritual family we belong to. Church is not just a place we go to. Church is a family that we belong to. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. The person next to you, the person behind you, is your brother or your sister. We are all part of a spiritual family. In fact, Jesus says that he calls us his brothers and his sisters. How amazing is that? Not only do we have each other, but Jesus is also one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So family depicts the idea of being close. It depicts the idea of knowing one another, of understanding one another. There is a unique bond and a special relationship like no other. Therefore, as we share this special relationship with another, we should desire to foster it, to nurture it, to grow it, so that we can best uh, foster this deep relationship and do life together. Literally, do life together, not on your own. Last week, I, I shared a statistic that said, um, unless you make seven genuine connections uh, in a church community, when you first uh, join a church within the first year, seven genuine relationships, it's unlikely that you actually stay uh, connected to and involved in that church life. So it shows the importance of connectedness and relationship. Another statistic, um, and it's a North American statistic, but the average size in America, do you know what the average size church is? It's 65. Now, you, you wouldn't think that, would you, when you think of America with all of its mega churches uh, and you know, great numbers, but the average church size in America, and probably America and Australia are very similar, probably be similar here in Australia, is 65. I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking probably one of the reasons is that we only have a capacity to know a certain amount of people. And beyond that, it's hard to know people beyond the number 65 or 70. Perhaps unless your name is someone like David Smythe, who just has this ability to know everybody's name from years ago and, and a great number of people. Now, we have the capacity to only really know a certain amount of people. And yet, it's God's desire that the church grows. So as the church grows and as more and more people are included, and that's the New Testament model, how do we actually connect if our capacity to know that many names is only around that number? See, as the church grows bigger we also need to grow smaller. 
As the church grows bigger in number, we also need to grow smaller in number. And that's the whole purpose of life groups. That there are a a tight, smaller number of people that we can connect with. And I've mentioned over the series that there is no obligation, there is no um, pushing from the front that you have to connect in a life group. However, it's my desire that as we tell of its benefits and as we unpack what doing life together looks like, that it would just be so attractive and that it would be so um, something that your heart desires that you would go, I actually need this. I actually need this. If I want to better myself, if I want to know what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus, if I want to really connect, if I really want to participate in the life of the church, then you know what? I'm actually going to have to commit to a small group and participate in a life group. So last week we talked about doing life together and we looked at L and L stood for learning. The part of being a life group is that we learn. We learn what it means to follow Jesus. We learn uh, the teaching of the New Testament. We, uh, that the apostles' teaching is the, the New Testament. In the Great, Com- uh, Great Commission, it says, go out and baptise and make disciples and teach them. So it's part of the church role that we teach one another. And I stood for influence. Uh, show me a person's friends and I'll show you the person. What that means is based on who we gather around, the influence of those closest to us actually shapes who we are. And so if I'm wanting to be a better pastor, a better father, a better disciple, then I want to f- surround myself with those who I see doing it well because their life is going to influence me. And I might, in turn, influence someone else. And today, F, you knew that one was coming, stands for fellowship. Fellowship. Back to our passage from Acts that this uh, series is based on. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves. I said this when when we came to teaching. Committed. They made it a priority. They devoted themselves to fellowship. It was was something that was high on their list that they went to do and that was something that was in their hearts to be committed to. But you know what? I think the word fellowship, we all understand what the word means. Yeah, I think it's kind of lost some of its meaning, particularly in the language of the church. Uh, Because we talk about fellowship like, hey, where do you fellowship? Meaning the church that you go to. Or join us for a fellowship meeting, like it's some sort of formal thing that we go to and I've done my fellowship and now I go home. Uh, Or... Let's have some fellowship around a cup of coffee afterwards. Um, and it, it's lost its, its deep sense of what fellowship actually means. 
It's, it's not something that we go to and just do or tick off in, in a box. Fellowship is that deep connection, that relationship, that um, doing life <laughs> together. In fact, the Greek word for fellowship, is it tiff here? No. Um, so I said that because she goes to a school where they've got this word written on, on their uh, auditorium. And it's the word koinonia, uh, which is where we get the English word fellowship. And it's interesting that, uh, and that's the word that Luke uses here in the Acts passage. But it's interesting that um, this is one of those Greek words that there's no English equivalent for. Like, there are Greek words that we go, oh, that, that means that, because there's an equivalent English word that means what it means in Greek. Greek, koinonia, there's actually no specific word that is... is so the New Testament interpreters, when they, they come across this word, they, they choose a word based on what's happening in the surrounding passage and in the sentence. Because it's such a word that is deep and incredibly meaningful. A couple of examples, and there are many. Um, in 2 Corinthians, it says, They will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your koinonia. So here, Paul is saying it's our contribution it's our participation. It's, it's our effort and involvement in that's that same word. And later in Philippians, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may koinonia, share. So again, we've got another different aspect of the word. And in 1 John... The fellowship that is described here is not uh, fellowship in terms of um, person to person. It actually describes why we have fellowship, and that is the unity that we have in, in Christ, and that that's what joins us together. And because of that, we have fellowship with God. And it's the fellowship of God that unites us and gives us Whew. So there's, <laughs> when we talk about fellowship, we're not just talking about coming together and having a cup of coffee, maybe telling a few dad jokes, um, shooting pool. That, that is part of fellowship. We're actually saying that there is a deep relationship and that there is a joint involvement in and a participation in. I'm actually choosing to be in this. And it also describes the glue that actually holds our unity together in what we believe. And it describes the united purpose that we have, the near in the gospel. And so... Fellowship must convey more than just connection. It's so much richer and so much deeper. And the New Testament 
passage in Luke conveys a commitment to the local body of believers, a commitment to koinonia, a commitment to it. You see, we can worship in a crowd, but we cannot fellowship in a crowd. We can worship in a crowd, but we cannot fellowship with a crowd. One of the things uh, I've loved to do over the last number of years is to uh, go to the Hillsong Conference. And I absolutely love it. It is amazing. One of the things I love is the fact that we can sing songs with people from across the nation, from all sorts of different denominations, across the world, people coming together, tens of thousands of people in one place. And there's no way to really describe the atmosphere. It is just so amazing. They get the sound so right that you can actually hear the sound of people's voices in that, in that stadium. I've got a, got a picture here that I took um, last time we were there. Um, this was uh, down on, on the bottom looking up. looks like Tim's choking on something there on the corner. Um, and it's just electric. It's just the most amazing thing. I've got another picture from up on top. Tens of thousands of people just lifting up the name of Jesus and worshipping. And there's just nothing like it. It's just so incredible. And yet, you cannot experience fellowship there. The most amazing experience that it may be, an atmosphere and worship, and yet fellowship cannot be found in that space. Fellowship can only be found in a smaller group where we know one another, where we are honest with one another, where we speak about life and do life together. F stands for fellowship. E, anyone want to take a guess? (laughs) Entertainment. (laughs) Eating, yeah. Hey, this is fantastic. We're going to keep this uh, this going on for a few more weeks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we entertain one another in life groups and we eat. That's definitely in the New Testament passage that we looked at. I've got experience. (laughs) I've got uh, experience. I want to read this to you again, and I want you to note the amount of doing words that are involved here, the amount of experiences. They accepted his message. They believed. That's a a doing. They were baptised. People were added to the number. They devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. They were filled with awe, many signs and wonders. They got together. They sold property. They gave to people in need. They continued to meet together. They broke bread. They ate, eat. (laughs) They ate together. They praised God. They enjoyed favour. The the Lord added, there's a lot of experiences happening here. There's a lot of doing going on. There's a lot of involvement. 
I find it really interesting when you look at uh, the way Jesus taught. The most profound things that Jesus said and taught were when he was either walking or when he was eating with his disciples. Isn't that interesting? In the context of doing stuff, in the context of walking up a mountain or along a lake or going on a boat trip or sitting around a table on a meal, it's there that Jesus actually taught. I find that really interesting because it kind of displays this sense of experience being part of our life together. Not just coming and and hearing something and going home, but doing life in a way that we would eat with one another and that we would see each other's experiences. I want to talk about experiences in three, three ways. The first way that we can experience experience with one another is by actually sharing our life experiences with one another. Um, I have here a photo album. And this is a photo album that contains uh, photos of my life. I've got some Easter camps there as a young lad. I've got some scout trips, uh, another scout trip. I've got my graduation. I've got my birthday. Um, I've got growing up with my brothers. I've got going on an excursion, my 21st birthday. Um, oh, look, there's a young Joe. Um, going to Bell's Beach. I've got all sorts of uh, experiences and milestones and memories. The thing about photo albums is that they contain memories, experiences, milestones, the things that we want to, that we are fond of in our life, don't they? We take photos of the things that we we are fond of, that we want to remember, that we are proud of, perhaps. The other thing about photo albums is it also depicts the people that were at all of those things, all of those events, the people that have been part of the graduation, who have been part of the birthday party, who have been part of uh, whatever you've taken a photo of. Photo albums we can look back on and see, hey, there have been people who have walked this life with me as I've gone through these things. And part of sharing our experiences with one another is that we can share the joy or we can share the pain. And we don't necessarily need to do it alone. In fact, I actually believe that God's purposes are actually outworked when we share our experiences with one another. I've got one of my photos that I pulled out of my photo album. It's this one here. You might recognise one of those people. Person on your left. This is a photo (laughs) taken. uh, I was in a band with Dan in the middle and Andre. And this was taken a few months after we formed in uh, my lounge room. 
uh, where we started writing some songs together. And this turned into six years of an amazing part of my life, an experience of my life. And you know, for six years, that was my life group because we literally did life together. We uh, had band practice twice a week and we had gigs on the weekend. And one of the things that we committed to doing uh, in our band practices, and this is what I mean by God outworking his purposes by those that he brings alongside of us in our experiences, is that I don't think I'd be standing here today as a pastor if it wasn't for these guys. Because it was their faith and their uh, passion, their life that, was, that influenced me and that, that changed me. And one of the things we did was we read uh, Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening devotion uh, at our band practices. Now, if you've ever been challenged by theology or the English language, uh, as a 19, 20-year-old, that's, that's certainly one thing to get, get you going. Um, but it was part of my journey, and it was part of my experience, and it was part of sharing in each other's lives, literally. I used to stay at Andre's house because we uh, worked on an orchard together, and it was closer to the orchard, so during the week I slept at his house and had meals with him. And you know the thing, the good thing about um, this is because of that life group, because of that doing life together, it doesn't matter how long we've been apart when we come together, it's just like we've never left each other because we know each other so well. We travelled, <laughs> we slept in the same rooms, <laughs> like literally did life together. And that's an example of what sharing joint experiences can do in relationship. The second thing to do with experience is that we actually, take that off now, <laughs> we actually experience the Christian experience. We experience, we actually live, we actually uh, experience all that God has for us. The Christian life, we can actually experience. Now, it sounds a bit like a TV ad, you know, experience life in full colour HD with Samsung's new QDLFCXC screen. Experience life in full colour. Experience the Christian life in all its fullness. See, I think. Some of us live the Christian life but don't experience the fullness of it because we're missing out on a part of the Christian experience which is being actually uh, real with one another, being honest, sharing some of our pain, some of our stuff-ups. You know, we can easily come to church and, and do the, that part of the Christian experience, but there's so much more to the Christian experience. And unless we actually engage with and know one another 
in an intimate way where we carry one another's burdens, where we're actually able to speak truth and love and grace into someone's life when they're down and out, where we're able to be real and say, hey, look, I doubt this or I fear this or I'm not sure about this or I'm thinking this. That's part of being in life together. You see, we all seek after experiences, like whether we look in a catalogue for you know, jumping out of an aeroplane or something. That would be an experience. We all desire experiences, but God's desire is that we experience all that he has for us, all that he has for us. And the third thing is, your experiences, what you have gone through, can actually help other people who are going to go through the same thing. There are people I know in this congregation who have gone through so much and have experienced a great deal, experienced things that I've never experienced. And yet, I don't know what my life is going to entail in a year's time, in five years' time, in ten years' time, I might actually go through some similar things. And if that's the case, I actually want to talk to and be in relationship with the people that have gone through that because they're going to teach me so much. When I see how people's people have dealt with their grief and if I deal with grief in a time, I'm going to go straight to them and go wow I've, I've, I was just in awe at you know, what, what you did in that time and the experience that you had what, what can you teach me what can you tell me how can, how can that experience shape me I know that there are people here who have suffered abuse in their life. And there might be people who walk into our church who have, who are or have been going through horrendous things. And you have a gift because your experience can grow and bring healing and wholeness to a person that God can, can bring into our midst. So your life experiences can help others as we do life together. I came across an interesting fact, and I'll I'll end here, that the, the Mental Health Council of California did a study last year, um, and they said that unless we find koinonia, true fellowship, unless we find true connection, unless we find a group of people that that we really, really, really connect with, unless we find that in our lives, they say that we are three times more likely to suffer an early death, four times more likely to experience emotional burnout, five times more likely to be clinically depressed, And get this one, 
10 times more likely to be hospitalized for a serious mental disorder. Wow. Three times more likely to suffer an early death, four times more likely to experience emotional burnout, five times more likely to have clinical depression, and 10 times more likely to be hospitalized with a serious mental order unless we find koinonia, unless we find fellowship, unless we find connection. So you owe it to your own health. Find community, find connection. You see, I have a desire that our church would just be so interconnected in relationship that we would know each other so intimately, not just on a Sunday, but as we meet during the week. And that as people meet, they sense the benefit and they live out the experience. And because of it, they are changed and they are better. And so when someone comes into our midst, we can say, you know what? Not only do they need the gospel, because of what I've experienced, they actually need this. They actually need this connection too. Many of you would know uh, John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. But do you know that how he actually became, became a Christian was that he was walking down a street and a group of women decided, because it was a sunny day, to bring their chairs outside their front door and to share with one another, to have a life group. And John was walking down the street and he overheard the glad and sincere hearts. He overheard the joy of their salvation. He overheard uh, the sense of unity and connectedness that they had together and he walked down the street and he heard it and he kind of stopped and he sort of walked back again and he drew closer and he drew closer and he may not have understood he says all that they had were talking about because at that point he didn't know Jesus but what he was attracted to was their fellowship what he was attracted to was their life group what he was attracted to, that they had something that he longed for, and that was community, fellowship, connection. And that is my desire, that we see that in and through our relationships with one another. I'm going to invite the music team out now. We're going to have a time of communion now. And just as actually the stewards, if you want to start um, distributing that, that would be great. And uh, perhaps if you just want to start playing. And as they do that, I want to read to you from 1 John. It's one of the passages that talks about fellowship. 
And it says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write to make our joy complete. He goes on to say, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of his son, Jesus, purifies us from our sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from unrighteousness. And I just want to pause there. And I just want to just take a moment before we partake in the meal to actually think about those words. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Can we just take a moment before we eat of the bread and drink of the wine to actually spend a moment coming before God and actually confessing our sins, acknowledging perhaps that we haven't lived as we should, knowing that communion signifies the way that Jesus forgives us by dying on a cross and his body being broken for us. Let's just do that now in a few moments of quiet. Let's just come before God and acknowledge our sin. Father, we thank you for the way that you have dealt with our unrighteousness, our sinfulness. Lord, that you sent your only Son into this world to suffer and die a death that was destined for us. But because of that, we are now free from that sin, from that impurity that would hold us back from knowing and being in a right relationship with you. And so, Lord, we do acknowledge that in in comparison to you, we are nothing. 
and yet you just choose to love us and to lavish us with all spiritual blessing. And so, Lord, we just acknowledge our sin to you, knowing that you forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you pray that prayer, I can with confidence clearly say to you, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Because he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins. And the way he did that was he died on a cross for us and that's what this represents. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me that we might remember and acknowledge his sacrifice. In the same way after supper he took a cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we do as Jesus commands, coming together as family, just like those New Testament disciples, and we share in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup. And we we declare the Lord's death until he comes again. Will you eat and drink with me? you in so many ways but especially now we thank you for your son we thank you for his obedience in going to the cross in giving up his life so that we might live and that we might experience your goodness that we might experience salvation not just in theory, that we would live it out. And Lord, as we go from here this day, we pray that we will continue to experience what you have for us. And that in our connections and our desire to be with one another, that we would, we would experience real koinonia, real fellowship, real connectedness not just a superficial, but that we would know each other deeply. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we just partook in the meal that describes all that Jesus has done for us. Let's declare that in song. 
Uh, if you have a particular need that you would like prayer for, I'd encourage you to come down the front as we sing. And that can be for anything, anything that you've heard the Lord speak to you or anything that you're going through in life and that you want someone to come alongside you and to share that life experience with you. I invite you to do that as we sing. Let's stand together and praise his name.